It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, August 10th, after a little hiatus last Thursday and possibly a little hiatus this Thursday as well. But we're back getting you ready for the LA Galaxy, who are going to resume the regular season. Uh, MLS made that announcement of how many games will be played. The LA Galaxy and the rest of the league also announced their next six games as they're releasing these sort of in six-game batches. So we're going to talk all about that, and that includes the uh, matchup with LAFC that is just 12 days away. So we'll talk a, a little bit about that. Uh, a little information on Jonathan Dos Santos will be in here as well, and then, of course, lots of rumors surrounding the LA Galaxy as we are just two days away from the MLS transfer window open. That's right, the, the end of the MLS's back tournament takes place on August the uh, 11th, which is uh, the day after we're recording here, and then August 12th, the transfer window opens. So, lots of rumors surrounding the LA Galaxy. We'll see if they add any more pieces to help me do all of it. The Panda's back. Mr. Kevin Baxter, how's it going, Kev? Speaking of false rumors, you should get rid of the false rumor now that last Thursday's podcast did not happen because of a false COVID-19 test. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is, that was not, that was, I just, you know, this is, this is one of those times where, uh, I have a whole bunch of people in my house. Uh, my family, uh, my son is visiting from Colorado and so I have my wife and I have my, uh, eight month old son. And so I am taking, being there's no games, I am taking a little more time away from the podcast right now. So that way, whenever there's games and things to focus on, certainly be there and ready to go. But Still, that means that I'm recording at least once a week, so that's not horrible. I mean, you know, I guess most podcasters do this once a week thing. It feels kind of kind of lazy right now for me, um, but I, it's also kind of nice. So maybe maybe this is a permanent thing. Uh, I'll just well, have to get rid of you because I don't want to just talk to you all the time. That's so, right. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I think that most of the listeners would agree <laughs> with, with that. By the way, I just did my budget. We have to do these these things in in journalism where you list all the stories you're working on for the next week or two weeks or whatever, and I. I did my soccer budget for the next like month with the the games schedule announced. It's going to pick up and get really, really busy here really quickly. Yeah, it certainly seems. Let's get to it then. Uh, MLS announced the continuation of the regular season, Kevin. Uh, it's an 18-game continuation. That means that if you have the two games that they played before the, uh, the COVID-19 stoppage, uh, and then the three games in the MLS's back group stage, and add those to the 18-game continuation, you get 23 total games uh, for a quote-unquote regular season uh, this year in, in 2020. Sh- shortest regular season ever. The only one that's even close was 2001 when it was 26 games. So this will be not only the shortest regular season, but also the latest MLS Cup scheduled for December 12th. Yeah, the uh, the key dates that you need to remember is that Decision Day, the last day of the regular season as of right now, is November 8th, and then November 20th is whenever the MLS Cup playoffs begin. So there's a gap of about 12 days between the end of the regular season and then November 20th. Is that? I think it's a FIFA date. Isn't there a FIFA date in between there, Kevin? There are FIFA dates there. Uh, it's also the playoffs are single elimination, and it will be 18 teams make the playoffs. 18 of the 26 teams will be the largest field ever and single elimination which is interesting but you're right to say all these things are scheduled because um i think one of the things that uh, mls has done it, well maybe they i don't know how much they they, they 
put thought put into it. But certainly with the way the schedule is unfurling, you, you can just push things back. And you can, if if multiple teams are, are sidelined by COVID or there's a team that can't travel or whatever, there does seem to be enough flexibility in the schedule. I mean, December 12th is a good date, but it does strike me as being somewhat arbitrary. Why couldn't it be December 19th, for example? I mean, is that really uh, going to be a problem? So I do think there's some flexibility at the back end if this whole thing needs to be extended a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think a lot like the USL had sort of announced that, you know, hey, we're going to go ahead and schedule these, but we have, you know, we have some some fluff in there. We have some uh, dates that we can play makeup games on and we can sort of postpone, you know, schedule these out and as things go. And, and remember, you know, this time it's outside of the bubble as well, which provides a, a whole bunch more complication, uh, a lot more chances for games to get delayed. If you've been watching anything with Major League Baseball or USL, um, you've seen that, you know, obviously COVID COVID-19 outbreaks within teams are a real thing. They do happen, uh, and that makes games sort of rescheduled, postponed, and pushed back. And all of a sudden, you know, the team that Kevin, you and I talked about, the team that you played uh, on Monday now has to go into quarantine because you tested positive on Friday, and the team that you played on Wednesday has to go into quarantine because of the Friday test. So all these things sort of start to bubble up, and they can delay large portions. I mean, you know, you already have two teams who are three games behind everybody else with FC Dallas and uh, Nashville LC. By the way, both still sitting ahead of the LA Galaxy in rankings in the Western Conference. Um, yeah, and, and they'll, they'll play twice this week to make some of that up. But you talk about not building some flex time in the schedule. As of right now, the St. Louis Cardinals have only in baseball have only played five games. If, for them to finish the regular season on time, they're going to have to play 55 games in 44 days. Yeah, that's that's a ton of games, isn't it? That's not going to happen. I mean, you just the pitching staffs alone can't can't handle that. But I, I, people hate when I talk about baseball, so let's stop talking about baseball. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there will be some other parallels right now. Uh, certainly, looking at uh, uh, leagues that are playing outside of bubbles, Major League Baseball is is the one with the uh, biggest focus on it so on it right now. So but the I'm only sure. other team playing outside the bubble is the USL, and they're having some problem. Not anything like baseball. I think there's a number of reasons why. Um, you know, even in the USL Championship, road trips are generally day of game, and you return to to your home that night. That limits the exposure. Um, you know, they're they're traveling regionally. Baseball is traveling regionally too, but there's a difference between going from LA to Colorado than there is, uh, you know, Galaxy Two going to play Orange County or San Diego. So um, the teams that are, the teams that have stayed in the bubble, NWSL, WNBA, uh, NBA, NHL, and MLS, they have all. There hasn't been a positive test in any of those leagues this month. WNBA and uh, NWSL have not never had a positive test. Right. Um, the bubble works, and I talked to some epidemiologists about this over the weekend. The bubble works. It's the extreme. You know, it's the quarantine. It's it's as if Anthony Fauci had designed a league season. You know, it's in the quarantine. And remember, what happens in the quarantine because of peer pressure and because of of the protocols. Everybody wears a mask all the time, always a mask, social distancing is practiced all the time. You don't come in contact with anybody that's not been tested. So it's sort of the perfect environment. And that's why all these leagues in a bubble has succeeded. And you know what? A lot of us, me, you know, at the top of the list, really questioned whether this was a good idea. Well, guess what? Don Garber and Adam Silver and all those guys were right. It worked stepping outside the bubble now and i think we go back to square one because players will leave training and they'll go home they'll go to the market they'll go to the drive-thru at taco bell whatever it is they do they will be you know uh, open to exposure they'll sure when they travel will be charter flights to and from the games as one epidemiologist i talked to said 
nothing that happens on the field concerns me. The locker rooms will be clean. The fields will be clean. There won't be spectators at most of the games. We'll talk right. about that in a minute. But it's what happens away from the field. You know, your kid goes to school or your kid goes and plays with someone in the neighborhood and they come home and, you know, player comes home and, and plays with his kid in, in the safety of his own home. Maybe he gets exposed there where he wasn't exposed to that while he was in the bubble. So, you know, there there is, as Don Garber said, there is a risk to everything and there's risk to this. Yeah, there is. And certainly around college football, if you've seen what's happening in college football right now, some of that has to do obviously with the player safety. Some of it has to do with, uh, with amateur players finally sort of, I think, uh, really pressing and using the pandemic, uh, not to their advantage, but as a way wake-up call to, to what their worth is within the system that has gained, you know, billions and billions of dollars. Um, so you can look at that, but, you know, with college football, things are getting canceled right now uh, because they don't know that there's a way to do it safely. And I certainly think that all those schools are looking at liability. Um, I, I think in my mind, I, I, I'm, I feel at, more at ease and don't take this as me saying, yeah, it absolutely is a hundred percent great idea, but I'm more at ease with professional players doing this than, Anybody who's a minor or an amateur doing this and, and risking things, I, I, I understand, you know, the chances for a, a professional athlete to be seriously affected by, uh, you know, a COVID-19 infection are, are probably even lower than just the general population. And I understand that, you know, the, the death rate and, and what that means, but it doesn't mean people don't get sick. It doesn't mean that people can't, you know, end up in the hospital with this. Um, and so it's one of those things where I sit there and say, you know, is it worth it to to have people do this stuff? And I think the the league is is hell bent on it. I think that the players, for the, in the most part, maybe it's not a super majority. And in fact, Kevin, you and I have talked many times about it being fifty fifty. Um, by the way, a lot of that sort of shut up pretty quick as soon as the bubble started working, uh, and yeah. players sort of saw how that was. So you know, does that bubble back up if if this outside you know doesn't work? And by the way, doesn't work, it's not going to work. You're going to get teams with positive cases. So. If you're expecting a zero case count, um, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's just it, it's not it's not something that we've seen so far in any teams that have been outside of the bubble. And you can look and see what has you know led to some of these you know these these infractions where people got sick is you know somebody went to a casino, somebody went to a strip club, uh, you know some of these other things that have sort of happened outside the bubble when you can't control things. Um, you know, inside the bubble and you can't, you can't do that. So now you're left up to individuals making their own choices. Listen, I, I don't know if it's a good idea. I don't think it's a great idea. It's certainly not something I'd be willing to die for. Um, so it would be difficult for me to, to place anybody else in that position, Kevin. If, if, is that enough of walking on the fence for everybody? I Well, here's, here's the team to watch coming out of this. And, and I don't uh, wish ill will on anybody, but it, you're just talking about it. And I'm sitting here thinking, Orlando City went into the bubble in its home market. I mean, those guys are within walking distance of their families in many cases inside this quarantine. They've been in there since they were the second team to go in. They went in around June 25th or somewhere there. And they're now they're playing in the finals. So they won't get out of that bubble until Tuesday night. So they've been in that bubble for five, six weeks. You know, uh, Florida is blowing up with COVID cases, especially Central Florida. A lot of it coming from bars, restaurants, and things that are open. Um, you know, we saw what happened with the Orlando women's team. They didn't even get to go to their tournament because six players tested positive. Uh, you know, I'm wondering if there's going to be so much pent up, uh, um, uh, you know, anxiety or whatever when these players get out of that bubble that, and, and they're in a already in a bad environment, uh, you know, as far as the COVID stuff goes. It's not like, you know, 
uh, sporting Kansas City, going home to Kansas City or or Salt Lake. So, my you know, or I would really watch Orlando City. That could be a team that could have some problems. And people hear me have have read me write this or have have heard me talk about it. There's still one thing that I just I, I I'm grappling with, and I just don't get. When all the pro sports leagues shut down on March 12th, which everyone agreed was a good decision, I didn't hear anyone whining about it then, there were 1,325, 1,328 actually, Americans that had tested positive for in the total history of time for COVID-19, 1,325 people, just 38 people had died. And everybody said, we got to shut this down. We don't know anything about this virus. Um, we, we can't take the chance. Since then, now, today, we're averaging... 38 deaths, which we had total, we're averaging that many every 95 minutes. And we're averaging 1,328 infections, which we had total, we're averaging that every 40 minutes. So if we had to shut down then, why do we open up now? And I think one excuse would be, well, we didn't know much about the virus then. Well, we know a ton about it now. And I think what we learned is that First of all, social distancing and mask wearing and the quarantine works. We learned that. So let's not step out of the quarantine if we're going to play. We should have learned that. But we also learned that this is an insidious virus uh, and it, it may not kill you. It, you may not even uh, you know, be totally debilitated, uh, debilitated with the disease, but it lingers. It can cut for even young people like young soccer players. It can cause permanent lung damage. Um, that's one of the things that you know maybe a, a, a young player going out there, it continues to play and, and doesn't get hurt. And there's nothing that shows up in the test yet. It, he could suffer, you know, career ending lung damage by coming in contact with the virus. So, you know, there are a, th a lot of things that we know that we need to be, you know, concerned about. I, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner said, look, we have to learn to live with this. We can't hide from this forever. I agree. We need to learn to live with this. And I think we learned living with it in a bubble, for example, and having sports in the bubble works. I'm just not sure. The bubble can't go on forever, though. I guess that's probably the other side yeah. of it. Is this risk worth it um, to the players and to the league? When we're not going to get a full league season anyways, we're like you said, 23 out of 34 games, we're going to miss 11 games. It's going to be sort of a, a bastardized schedule. Anyways, is this is it really worth the risk? And um, I, I guess I haven't anyone convinced me that it is yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, the there, there's so many different ways to sort of take this. And again, um, I, I don't really know where I sit on this. Uh, I, I, will, I, I will say this, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand, is that, you know, if the players are going to go out there and play, then I'm going to be happy that the players are out there playing. And uh, because of that, I will, I will watch and I will be able to cover and I will be able to do all those things and I will feel okay with that decision. Um, I, you know, if... If this goes sideways and, you know, there's a whole bunch of cases, yeah, I mean, the questions are going to be raised the same as they were raised with USL and the same as they're being raised with Major League Baseball. Um, the bottom line is that we had a chance to sort of, you know, set everything right in this country a long time ago and we didn't do it. Um, so you had a chance to save college football. You had a chance to save, you know, possibly the NFL and what the NFL season could be um, this year. You had a chance to save all of this stuff. You could have had in, you know, in place right now, basically being able to sort of get back to a, a much better normal than we are. Are right now in terms of living with it and none of that happened uh you can't keep players in a bubble uh you can't do that and they and you know there was already so much protesting going on about the amount of time that they were going to spend away from their families whenever they went into the bubble for you know about six weeks um so you can't keep them in there any longer could you do some regionalized bubbles maybe but again you, you can't segregate players for that long they're not gonna they're not gonna put up with that nor should they have to put up with that um up to a sing 
I think there's a chance for MLS to try to salvage as much of their revenue from TV games as they can. So certainly it's a business decision, and I'm not going to deny that. And I understand that there's lots of people's jobs who are on the line. And obviously keeping those people on staff and doing those things is great. And I also am very much aware that most of the owners of these teams are, you know, uber rich billionaires who are doing just fine. Um, so you can look at that. And, and again, I... I don't know what the answer is, Kevin. I'm not going to discount your your answer, which is why are we playing now? I'll say this, that, you know, just from a personal point of view is that whenever they closed everything down and we locked it down, you know, I was pretty scared uh, along with everybody in my family whenever that happened. I'll say that being, um, uh, you know, I'm out in the general public on an almost regular basis, one, because of uh, the essential worker that I am and, and two, just having to go out and get food and do different things, um, that I'm much more comfortable in the current you know, sort of place that we're at. I'm not saying it's it's 100% comfortable and certainly not normal. I'll never tell you that. Um, but, you know, we have learned to live with it a little bit better than what it was in those first weeks. So, you know, from the absolute fear of that everybody was going to die uh, to the understanding that, you know, just a lot of people are going to die because of certain choices people made. Um, it's, it's a different atmosphere right now than it was. Um, and I think as much as people want to get back to normal, seeing sports sort of projects that normal, um, as much as people want to get back to normal, it's just not normal and it's not going to be normal probably for a little bit of time. So uh, I, I don't know that that's a great answer and I'm not sure that that does anything for, for the LA Galaxy for anybody else. But uh, if they play and when they play, I'll be happy to watch and happy to cover. And if they don't, that's fine too. I'd, I, I don't know that I really have you know a dog in this race. Well, there's a couple of things that, um, you know, people are making comparisons to Europe where sports have come back, you know, much more successfully, relatively speaking. Uh, you know, Mexico is having problems now with Liga MX teams, a lot of teams testing positive. It, it seemed to work better in Europe for a couple of reasons. One is um, people took seriously the the uh, the idea of wearing masks, social distancing, quarantine. It was especially uh, 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 difficult in Italy. People, you know, really did stay home for weeks at a time. Uh, whereas, you know, the idea of wearing a mask has sort of become a political badge of courage here to to, uh, to show what side you're on. If you wear a mask, you're a liberal Democrat, and if you don't wear a mask, you're a conservative Republican, and that uh, the virus really doesn't care. Uh, so that's part of it. People did not get on the program. And uh, if anything, if you're a sports fan, the bubble proved social distancing and wearing a mask works. That's what happened in the bubble, and that's why it worked. But the other part of it is, and don't, uh, you know, don't be fooled about this, all of those European countries are much smaller. I mean, England is the size of California. So if you're if San Jose is coming down here to play a game and traveling back, that's the same as a Premier League team. That's a Premier League road trip, essentially. It's a long Premier League road trip. Um, all those countries are much smaller. But but they have made progress. And there's talk about a lot of those leagues now allowing fans in when their seasons start again. The new uh, season in France is going to start this month. Um, the Premier League and the Bundesliga start September 12th. They're going to begin their new seasons. You know, they're playing the the um, Champions League and the Europa League right now. So there has been progress made in Europe, that, and that's sort of a, what we should try to emulate, I suppose. There is a, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, right now, I think we're like deep into the tunnel, though. We're, we're probably too far away to see the light at this point. Yeah, it feels that way. Uh, we did get the LA Galaxy schedule, however, and so let's talk a little bit about that because this is one of those weird things, and I think it fits right into the um, sort of the regionalization of the of the schedule as it currently stands. Uh, the we'll LA talk about why it's 
T- talk about why it's regional. Explain yeah, and, and, and it's regionalized. I, I, we're going to announce six games here. Um, there's two games against LAFC. There's two games against San Jose. Uh, there's one game against Seattle Sounders and one game against Portland. The region there, the reason that they're regionalized is to limit the, the need to travel, one, super long distances, um, and two, to travel either by chartered bus or chartered flight. And if they're flying, um, then it's about arriving there the morning before the game and then leaving um, after the game uh, is played almost immediately so that way there's no overnight hotel stays and again it's about keeping a a, like sort of your team is your bubble while you're traveling Um, it's about keeping that bubble uh, getting that exposure in and getting that exposure out so you're you're flying on a charter jet that is supposedly clean all of your teammates have been tested which is supposedly uh, supposed to be good and so you know that everybody there has tested negative within the last 24 hours basically Uh, the plane leaves you land um, you get on a chartered bus that's just supposedly clean. You go in, and I don't know if they're doing locker rooms. I would imagine that they're not, Kevin. They're going to bypass those and head straight out onto the training field or onto the main field where they'll train and get ready, um, and then they sort of go ahead and, and do all that stuff uh, for the game, and then they get back on a bus, and they get back on the plane, and they're back home in their own beds that night. Um, because I'm guessing they're going to have to use a locker room. They have shower, to, right? Yeah. 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 No, but, but when you talk about the regional thing, point out why this really does not help the galaxy i mean if you had to pick a region to be part of yeah i mean holy cow the west has all the tough teams yeah the, yeah the western the western united states certainly um no when you look at this let's give you the dates a uh, saturday august 22nd is the game at bank of california stadium that's just 12 days away as i mentioned in the open uh that game it looks like will be played on fox the opponent is lafc obviously that will be one they drive in a bus then you go uh you host uh as the la galaxy host wednesday august 26th so just four days later they'll play against the seattle sounders uh dignity health sports Park Saturday, August 29th, just three days after. Um, it will be the, the uh, LA Galaxy hosting the San Jose Earthquakes. Then it is away, the longest road trip the Galaxy taken these the first six games um, as they return. It is uh, six games. Uh, it is uh, their third game fourth game fourth game is wednesday september 2nd the portland timbers at providence park um sunday september 6th will be to host lafc at dignity health sports park and then sunday september 13th will be away to san jose earthquakes at avaya stadium uh the galaxy will play the third fourth fifth and sixth place teams in the western conference and from just my brief overview of the schedule and all the things that are going on. It seems like the LA Galaxy have one of the toughest schedules in Major League Soccer during this time. Um, you know, being last, <laughs> I said this on on social media, and I think it's probably right. When you're not a good team, Kevin, anybody you play is a difficult game. Uh, but the bottom line is the LA Galaxy won't play a team that's below sixth place in the Western Conference as of the standings right now. So uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place teams for the LA Galaxy. And uh, by the way, uh, a bunch of those games, um, LAFC currently sits fourth, although they're genuine, generally considered one of the top, probably two, probably the top team in the Western Conference. Um, I think people would argue about Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers in there as well. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has been playing very well as well. So um, there's a lot. I guess that's the only sort of uh, uh, good thing about the schedule is the Galaxy so far haven't had to play Sporting Kansas City. And then Minnesota United is currently sitting in second place in the Western Conference, but you're going to play two games against the number four team and two games against the number six team. Um, yeah, but wait, it gets worse because of the four teams the Galaxy are going to play. None of them had to lose have a losing record this season. They're in fact are combined nine, three, and eight. Um, LAFC, as we know, is unbeaten. 
they're the defending or the reigning supporter shield winners. They set a, a MLS record, best regular season last year, unbeaten this season. Galaxy play them twice, and they just lost them six to two. So those are two tough games. They play the reigning MLS champions in yep, Seattle. Seattle Sounders. Yep. They play Portland, who's in the. We know they're in form because they're playing in the MLS's back final tomorrow. Correct. So that's a tough team. And then San Jose won its group, uh, was undefeated in group play, and made it to the quarterfinals of the MLS is back tournament. And you and I talked before going on, and you said pick a game that you think the Galaxy could win. And I said, yeah. well, maybe the the home game against San Jose. That looks like it might be. The easiest one, and then you pointed out, you know, San Jose's really uh, played very well against the Galaxy lately. Even you know, last year when they struggled a little bit, they played well against them. But the Galaxy are off to their worst start in, in franchise history. They're two points through five games, and not to be Debbie Downer here, but when you look at the schedule, there is not a lead there's not a lead pipe cinch win in any of those. It is possible they could get eleven games into the season and still not have a win. I mean, I'm not predicting that. I think that San Jose game is winnable and maybe the Seattle game, that's a long trip for Seattle. Um yeah, yeah, that, no, that's an interesting part. Let's bring that up because you were saying, hey, maybe home field advantage, home field doesn't have any advantage to it. Um, and I, I was countering with that. I said, but, you know, think about the travel, which is if you're Seattle, right? You have to get on a bus. You have to go to the airport. You have to get on a chartered flight. You take that chartered flight all the way down to LAX or whichever airport they're going to land at. Maybe it's Long Beach. Who knows? But they're going to get off there. Um, they get in a chartered bus. They go to the field. Then they have to play that day. There's no, I mean, you know, their travel day could start very early for the most part wasn't is is that the game you were telling me might be a really early game kevin well here's the deal um i i got um misled i got i got punked by uh the galaxy and mls i suppose in that when the schedule came out everybody all the other teams all had game times kickoff times behind their their uh you know the, the schedule right the galaxy for their three home games had 10 a.m and I looked at that, and there was a Wednesday game at 10 a.m., and I thought, that can't be right. So what I did is I went to the opposing team, and in, in that case, it was Seattle. And Seattle also showed that game at Dignity Hill Sports Park at 10 a.m. And it, that that was just ridiculous. How could they travel down for that right. game and play at 10 a.m.? Um, so I thought those games were all at 10 a.m. because they were listed on multiple websites. It turns out that the Galaxy say now that they are still uh, negotiating – with TV networks over kickoff time for those games. And somebody in the MLS office, the Galaxy says it wasn't them, somebody in New York decided that 10 a.m. would be a nice little sort of placeholder there. They'll just put 10 a.m. instead of TBD. <laughs> that has now been changed to TBD to be determined. Right. So um, it, it, won't be, it won't be 10 a.m. We don't know when it will be, but it won't be 10 a.m. Yeah, we're sort of we're, we're waiting for all the game times. We do not have game times on any of the games right now. The only, In fact, the only TV partner it looks like we have right now is Fox. Now, it says Fox on that August 22nd game. And in fact, it says FOX. It doesn't say FS1. So there's a possibility, at least according to the schedule, if I read it correctly, that's an over-the-air game, Kevin, on Fox on Saturday, August 22nd, uh, whenever the LA Galaxy uh, head on up the uh, to play the no Trafico because there's no traffic during a pandemic, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, the the no Trafico up at uh, up against LAFC. Um, fans, by the way, fans by the way will not be allowed into any of the games. At least those first six games in Southern California, um, you know, state rules prohibit that. County rules prohibit that. Yeah, city and, rules. Team, yeah, team that both teams. I talked to them. They're not even considering it at this point. Now, the reason the schedule is done in three phases, each you know, six game phases. For a number of reasons, one of those could be by the time we get to phase two or phase three, 
maybe things have opened up enough where fans, limited number of fans, can't come to games. FC Dallas plays Nashville on Wednesday. They have apparently have put 5,100 tickets on sale, which is about a quarter, about 25% of their stadium in Frisco. Right. Um, MLS says they have not approved that yet, but the ticket sale apparently is going forward. So you can expect some fans to be there. I understand Kansas City may be a team or even Real Salt Lake may be other teams that could potentially open uh, that up to, to, to fans coming you know, but that's the reason the phase is in each in each different phase, the rules will change. Another thing is the Canadian teams. It hasn't been totally determined what's going to happen with the Canadian teams. The, as you may know, the border between the U.S. and Canada is closed because of COVID, meaning teams cannot go up to the north to play and teams cannot come down here to play. So um, MLS has not announced what they're going to do yet. Uh, I was told that it may be a good bet that the teams would play their first phase amongst one another toronto montreal and vancouver would all play amongst themselves and then when phase two uh starts if the border has not opened up i heard one one rumor now is that toronto may be a team that would relocate to red bull arena and play there and i would i would assume the other team is like maybe uh vancouver might come down into washington somewhere or even down into oregon and that those teams would come and then play in the u.s the same the, the, the toronto blue jays have had to do that in baseball there in buffalo new york so that may that would might be a phase two issue, and that's why again, uh, these things are being done in phases. Well, would you would there be a, a a because I'm very much not this it, it, this is touchy, but I'm very much not going to go to uh, you know an LA Galaxy game and cover it if there's a whole bunch of fans in the stadium. For me, that's that's a, an unacceptable risk, and I don't need to go. Um, if for some reason they would open up these games to media and you and i have discussed this a little bit if the galaxy you know it depends on sort of what the situation would be whether or not i'd feel comfortable because if you're going to sit me outside at a table that's going to be you know 10 feet away from somebody else that's you know not anywhere near me and there aren't uh thousands of fans i feel like you know i can mitigate some of these risks it's all about and i think we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast is about mitigating risk right kevin we, we look at this and say okay well what is you know what is an acceptable risk for for somebody and not maybe necessarily not for somebody else um i don't want to say that i'm not going to go to any of these games if they were open to media and i'm not saying that fans should sit there and say well you know hey if there's you know there's going to be fans who if there's if the stadium's open they're going to go um but you know you sort of have to understand how many people are going to be there and what the risk is and, and sort of how that works the fact it's outside certainly is a benefit to, to everybody but um you know for right now it's like you know if if you were going to go to Dignity Health Sports Park, Kevin, and they were going to let fans into the game and you were going to go cover that game, how many fans would it take before you were like, that's too many in that stadium? If Just for you personally, what's your what's your line? Um, well, zero is a good way to start. I mean, I think <laughs> probably, a, probably a quarter. Um, but, you know, one of the, the uh, epidemiologists I talked to said, you know, that the risk, again, isn't so much what happens in the stadium. Um, first of all, he said fans should all, if fans come to any games, they should wear a mask, maybe even a visor uh, mm. over the mask. Right. But he worried about things where you go to the restroom. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to totally socially distance in a restroom or you go to use a drinking fountain or whatever. Um, things that you probably aren't going to really think twice about. That's where the risk comes in. And so sometimes it's not so much sitting, you can social distance in the stands or it's not even the risk of fans sitting out in the stands. It's the risk of them coming in and out and, and going to the restroom and doing the other things that you would do there. Um, I talked to both teams too about what the media setup might be uh, there. I'm told in the city of LA, which is a little bit different from the county in the city of LA, which would, it, this would impact only LAFC. 
um, that they're really concerned about the number of people in the stadium. And the Dodgers, for example, which also who also play in the city of Los Angeles, I think their number is 38. 38 people, aside from player and players and staff, that can be in. So that includes security guards. It includes TV cameramen. It includes you know sports writers. Um, you know anyone that's in there. And the press box is not being used, for example, at Dodger Stadium because it's somewhat enclosed. So writers are actually, they've built them little picnic tables out and they sit out in the reserve level. If you've been to Dodger Stadium, the, the large blue level, they sit there and they watch the games uh, uh, from there. They don't even get to go into the press box anymore. But that might happen at uh, at both uh, Dignity Health Sports Park and at Bank of California where anything that's enclosed, you can't go in there and you have to sit outside uh, you know, uh, in the stands. So, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think they're doing a good job. I think they're looking at everything, but you know, as the epi- epidemiologists say, it's not so much the social distancing and what goes on in the stands. It's when you leave the stands or how you interact with people away, you know, in the concourse area. That's where the problems come in. Yeah, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't second think going into a public restroom right now, by the way. I've, I've, I, having traveled recently and I'll be traveling again later this week um, I, on, in road trip style, I, uh, I was not thrilled at going into any public bathroom uh during that time so um just you know it's again i think it's a new reality i think that quite honestly people are more equipped to be able to understand and handle this stuff i think we're more aware of what we touch and how we uh sort of interact and obviously the breathing but i I just think it's a really interesting thing to sort of sit there and say i I don't know that there's a blanket statement of i won't quite honestly i love the being able to cover games from my house is is pretty nice too by the way i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie about that especially with a with an eight, eight month old but um you know, I think that's some of the things that you have to look at. Um, you know, it doesn't look like fans. I wouldn't expect for the LA Galaxy or for LAFC that fans will be allowed in the stadium anytime this year. It just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Not here in California, um, where cases have been going down, doing a little bit better job. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's still a ton of cases out there. And, and obviously, everywhere you go is, is a place for you to be able to pick that up. So uh, for me, uh, as I said, you know, I don't need to die to watch a soccer game. If I think it's a, an acceptable risk of some sort, um, then, then yes, I, I would probably go and cover a game if I, you know, if I knew that it was it was a fairly long distance for for people to go. But I mean, I think these are the questions everybody has to ask themselves every time they go outside of you know their front door right now, Kevin. Which is, you know, how you know, what kind of risk and what kind of situation am I putting myself into? You know, there's people throwing parties all around me all the time, and I'm like, that's just not a risk that I need right now. That's not something I need to do. It's not something I need to bring back to my family. Um, you know, there's already I already have certain exposures and i think as we talked about on the show my wife tested positive for the antibodies which means that it was in her house so already you're talking to somebody who failed quite miserably at keeping it outside of their house and we're not sure how accurate that is um but it's certainly something that we sat there and said good job good job us way to go so we've actually tried to be even more careful now um after that just because apparently whatever we were doing was not good enough um so it's uh it's a, it's a tough thing to try to you know put all these things in here. And for the Galaxy now, uh, these six games happen in rapid succession, Kevin. I mean, again, August 22nd, four days later, August 26th, three days later, August 29th, uh, September 2nd, four days later, September 6th, you know, September 13th. These are not, there's, there's no breaks here for these next six games. And for an LA Galaxy team that is struggling to find any sort of semblance of an identity, uh, to try to put points on the, uh, on the board, you know, just two points out of five games so far. Uh, 
it is not a great look. And I think there's only been two goals scored from the run of play, if I remember correctly, through those first five games. So uh, the LA Galaxy are struggling. What might help them, however, is uh, is perhaps the return of Chicharito, um, who I would imagine with his calf injury um, could be and should be available for this LAFC game coming up in just 12 days. And then Jonathan Dos, Dos Santos, the captain, um, he was out with uh, his hernia surgery that was supposed to be about six weeks. Technically, the six weeks is up, I think, August 12th, if you... Uh, if you go back and count it, because I think it was July 1st uh, on a Wednesday. So if you go and look at all those things, the, it should be up on the 12th. He is back and training with the LA Galaxy, and I think that happened last Friday uh, that he was there. So will he have enough time to rehab, to get ready, and to be fit enough to play in this LAFC game? Because now it's a different look. Um, with Chicharito uh, having missed the first game uh, because of his the, the calf injury and Jonathan Dos Santos missing the entire tournament, if you get both of those players back, if you get all three designated players back for the LA Galaxy, um, something that I believe only happened for about 45 minutes during the second game of the season for the LA Galaxy, uh, if you can get all three players back, then the LA Galaxy and the talent gap that we certainly saw in the first game that does shrink a little bit and certainly gives the LA Galaxy their best chance um, at some sort of revenge. So um, really interesting things that are going on, though. There's There's been some hot, I think, some hot seat pressure applied both to the LA Galaxy front office and to Guillermo Barrish-Coloto. Uh, the LA Galaxy again sitting last in the Western Conference after five games. Shkolo uh, looking uh, flummoxed and and sort of confused about what the LA Galaxy were doing. He's called them quitters multiple times. Um, and so what you've seen from the LA Galaxy is uh, any. I don't think and there's been no style points. There's been no um, defined style for this LA Galaxy team. So what is going to happen here in these next six games? Because I think after six games, and again, it's not very long. September 13th, right? It's the 10th, right? Now, in a month, all these games supposedly will be over there, Kevin. Um, you know, what are we going to see from the LA Galaxy when when these six games are over? Well, someone reminded me on social media today that I said that the team Galaxy was going to be much improved without Zlatan. Uh, and so that prediction has failed miserably. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did expect them to be better, though, because I expected that Guillermo would be much more comfortable now in his new environment. Remember, he was rushed in here last year mm -hmm. um, and didn't have really a chance to get his feet under him, I didn't think. Um, and the personnel that he had seemed to fit much better with the, the style of play that he wants to play. But uh, yeah, this six-game stretch is really important because, you know, hopefully, presumably, at some point during this six-game stretch, he will have his best team on the field, which includes Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito. Um, uh, but will the season be gone by then? I mean, um, you know, like we said, the schedule is really tough. They're already uh, off to the worst start ever, and, and there's no sure wins in here. You, um, you say Jonathan misses the first game or first two games. That's LAFC in Seattle. Those are going to be really tough games. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the Galaxy need to turn it around – soon and somewhere and it's gonna it's really i think gonna hurt them that they're not gonna have fans there helping them but the fans aren't coming back there's nothing you can do about that it's the same for every team um uh the other thing about the schedule though is, is there's not a lot of travel in it the galaxy have you know road games to san jose and portland and that's really it and and those are fairly simple trips so um you know lafc on the other hand their longest day their trip in the first six games they go to real salt lake so they go to altitude and it's a little bit further um 
there, you know, the, the schedule works against the galaxy in some ways. It works sort of for them in some ways. I'd like to see what's going to go on with Phase 2, though. I mean, where, where are they going to go in Phase 2? Is that They, they get of, to uh, replay these games again. The galaxy yeah. will never play any other teams outside of these teams the entire year. I mean, it's the thing and it's the point that you and I have, have sort of, you know, touched on before we even, you know, started recording, which is, what does it mean? I mean, this is, <laughs> we like to pretend that MLS sort of has a balanced schedule because you play everybody in your conference home and away, and then you pick up a couple Eastern Conference matches, and then we give away a supporter shield to a team that basically has done the best in the regular season, and we, we sort of close our eyes and pretend that that's, you know, the result of a balanced schedule, and the teams that you play out our conference don't matter, and all these other things that, that have sort of happened. And the last time it was actually balanced, I think, was in 2011 when the LA Galaxy won the supporter shield. Um, and ever since then, there's been too many teams in order for it to be balanced. And so it, it's not a balanced schedule. So we're, we're even more on a slant here. Um, the LA Galaxy, I think, realistically don't win a game in the next six games, which is, you know, sort of a sad thing to say. But, you know, what have they shown to sort of counteract that? Um, do they get lucky because it's MLS? Probably. Um, could they win two of these games? I think, you know, if you took a poll and said, you know, hey, how many people think that, you know, the Galaxy could win two of these games? There's a there's a couple there's there's a couple of these games that you could say, OK, yeah, maybe that's a 25 percent chance of, of doing that. But I think the higher likelihood is the LA Galaxy walk away with less than three points from these six games. But what does it mean? Uh, are the Galaxy going to get the wooden spoon back? You know, at the end of the season, it's a pandemic shortened season. Uh, it's an unsca- uh, it's an unbalanced and, and completely slanted schedule. Uh, I mean, somebody's going to hoist an MLS Cup when 18 teams make the playoffs. And by the way, I, I think kevin i read something it said that that might not be balanced with nine and nine uh it might be ten and eight because the eastern conference has uh two more teams um and so that means the la galaxy have an even less less of a chance to make the playoffs not that making the playoffs is particularly hard and quite honestly any team that doesn't make the playoffs this year should probably just go home um so you look at this and say you know all these things it's like what does it what does it mean i mean somebody's gonna put hoist an mls cup on december 12th maybe um possibly maybe (laughs) it's such a question mark at this time um but when you look at that i mean how how are we going to judge this and how are we going to judge that star that somebody has at the end of the season well and that's what what dan sarah said when he was on the pod uh before the tournament even happened the mls is back tournament when he said yeah someone is going to win this but but the other players are going to look at that and say oh yeah you won in 2020 that season this is always going to be that season um it's always going to you know it, it again looking at the European leagues, they did play their full season. They had a break, but you know, they were two thirds of the way in anyways. Um, NBA and NHL, they were at the end of their season getting ready for the playoffs. Anyways, there is some legitimacy to those leagues, but MLS shortened by 11 games without a balanced schedule, um, playing three of the games in a tournament in Orlando where everyone was sequestered. I mean, there's just so many things to look at this season and say, uh, you know, this one really doesn't count. And, and, I was talking to some team personnel before the MLS is back tournament, and they all told me, look, look at uh, this tournament. There are going to be some teams that are going to be there, and they're going to block everything out, and they're going to focus on football, and they're going to do really well. And there are going to be other teams that you expect to do well who are just going to fall apart because they can't get past the unusual circumstances. Um, they're uncomfortable in these unusual circumstances. You know, there's a number of different reasons. And I think if we look at the tournament, we'll say, well, Orlando City and Minnesota, especially Orlando City, certainly overperformed what people thought. They were the teams that were able to block out all the outside noise and concentrate on soccer. And, and you can m- maybe make the argument that the Galaxy weren't able to do that because I don't think anybody thought 
the Galaxy were going to come home, you know, from MLS back with, with just one point. But that's what happened. And so can the Galaxy regroup? Can they get home now that now that they're sleeping in their own beds and they're playing at their own stadium even without fans can they get comfortable enough to regroup a little bit and unfortunately for them this i mean mls is back they had uh they had houston and portland in their in their group and they did play fairly well against portland so there's some hope for that game but you know seattle lafc twice this is a tough schedule yeah, it's a it's a monstrous schedule, and you know, for a team that's trying to find its stride and do something um, after not doing anything for five games, it, you know, it's tough. And again, it's a stop, start, stop, start. I mean, the Galaxy basically have been off for a month by the time they get back onto the field, um, so that's another. It's a stop, start for them. Um, you know, what chemistry are they building? And certainly, they're training and doing different things. And I know a lot of players talked about you know sort of the camaraderie of of being in the bubble and that sort of building some character. And so that's a good thing. Um, but they have so much to prove and so much to improve on, Kevin, that, that is, those are all tall asks for them right now. And uh, so it's just, um, yeah, it's not a good situation. I, I think, if you know, if some fans are looking at this and saying it's a great situation. Glad the schedule's really hard because maybe, you know, the failures in these next six games show up um, to the point where, you know, the, the LA Galaxy are forced to do something. I don't know what that something is. Is that fire Guillermo Barascolotto? Um, is that, you know, fire somebody in the front office? I mean, you know, uh, for the most part, I, I at least seeing how Dennis DeClosa has sort of managed things around and looked at some different things, I have faith in that if Dennis DeClosa is given some time, uh, that he will be able to have more hits than misses. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, I think that fans and, and players alike are frustrated with Gamer Bereshkloda right now and trying to figure out how he wants them to play. Well, I, I, I don't understand that. Well, uh, here's a here's a point, and this will be a nice segue into your rumors segment. Yes. But what we've heard for the last two, maybe even three years, is we need to bring someone in from outside. We need some outside help. You know, we got Salata, and that was outside help. But the, you still, there was something missing. We need to go get... Uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez. We need to go get um, uh, Alan Franco. You know, say say Alan, Alan Franco. Franco. Yeah, that's a good one. We need to go, uh, or we need to get Uriel Antuno. It, there was always something from outside that needed to come in. We were missing something. Well, you know, I, the cavalry is not going to ride to the rescue. Uh, I mean, that excuse. Um, you know, they've had time now. You're right. I think Dennis is going to figure it out. I do. I do think he needs time. But I, I am a little uh, losing patience a little bit with this. We don't have the right guys. These right. are the guys that Guillermo asked for, for the most part. The right. players that he wanted are here. Yeah, there's a couple that aren't here yet, but these are the 11 that he has. And I think there's enough talent here if you put it in the right combinations and find the style of play that fits. I think there's enough talent here for it to be a decent team. Uh, but we're not seeing that, and it doesn't seem to, to fit well together. And if you ask me what's missing, I would say I don't know. But I don't think the players are gelling well together. I don't know what happened to Sebastian Lejet. You know, um, I think that he's playing in a, in a position now that is a poor fit for him. I don't think it it uh, it works with the things he has in his toolbox. That's one example of a guy that's you know not being put in a position to succeed. I would say that that you know people Gonzalez is not being put in a position to succeed. I think that that Dupuy has earned that starting spot. Certainly, the the midfield is going to be much much better with. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and and I would hope that that when Jonathan starts playing on a regular basis with Chicharito, you know they played together for so many years in Mexico, that hopefully there'll be some chemistry there that we haven't seen. But if you ask me what would I fix, what's the one or two things I would do, I really have no idea because it just doesn't 
nothing jumps out at me. It's, it's, it's almost like the whole thing is just a failure. But the idea of saying we need help from outside, I mean, I think that ship has sailed. It, you know, it's been a year and a half now with Guillermo and Dennis here. These are the players they have. They've got to make this work. Yeah, the last time Sebastian Legette uh, really put up numbers was his uh, his debut year, playing 20 games, starting 17, seven goals in less than 1,500 minutes. And again, if I remember correctly, that was on the at one of the outside uh, wing areas and, and not necessarily in the center, although uh, he played for center. He played in the center uh, under Klinsman in the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I think maybe even a little bit with Bruce, but Bruce also used him on the outside. So he, he's versatile in a bunch of ways, but he's been underperforming. And on a targeted allocation money contract, he's been underperforming. Um, by a large percentage and and whether it's the players around him. Listen, I, I think Jonathan Dos Santos coming back into this team certainly helps. Um, duh. I mean, you know, we've said it many times and he wins lot on was on the team when the way Jonathan Dos Santos plays is the way um, is how the LA Galaxy do. And so if he's able but, to come back... It's, it's- yeah. It's unfair to him to put that all on him to say, Agreed. oh, the team succeeds or fails depending on Jonathan Dos Santos. I mean, LAFC didn't have Carlos Vela in Orlando. What happened? You know, Diego Rossi went crazy. Yeah, but, 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 don't, yeah but don't make that comparison because those two teams are constructed completely differently. Uh, LAFC has tons of depth. The LA Galaxy have zero depth. Um, so it's not about asking. You know, you can ask somebody like Gordon Wilde to step up all you want. It's still Gordon Wild right now, and and he's shown some parts and some, you know, some acumen for scoring. Uh, it's like you know Cameron Dunbar. Hey, Cameron Dunbar showed you know one, had one of the best showings in the first game, and then never saw another minute. Yes, that's a that's a you can sit there and you know question Guillermo Barrascolotto, but in depth terms, Cameron Dunbar shouldn't be coming off the bench to try to save you. Um, so there's still some construction issues here that the LA Galaxy have that they've had since really. 2017 um, with Kurt Analfo coming in and basically everybody being swept out. I mean, the Galaxy have not had a deep team, Kevin, since 2016, the last year of Bruce Arena's time. Um, so there's construction issues and the ability to understand how to construct teams. And if there's a criticism of Dennis DeClosa and there's a criticism of Guillermo Barrescoloto, it's their reliance on international talent, which is one, expensive, um, and you better hit on it, and two, you're limited in the number of spots that you have. Um, and so, you know, and I, quite honestly, I don't care for the people who tell me to stop talking about Bruce Arena, but Bruce knew how to build a complete team. Uh, he had depth. He got people on discounts because he was Bruce and because they were the LA Galaxy. Uh, right now, it feels like the Galaxy are paying premiums for international talent and they're missing. You can't miss on somebody like People Gonzalez. And Granted, I probably would have signed People Gonzalez too. I know lots of people thought that was a good signing at the time, but look at what he's done to your back line. And if you look at the rumors out there right now, looking at center backs with Alan Franco and now uh, we'll talk about Jordi DeWeiss uh, from Hall City, you look at those guys and you say, so you're going to spend more money and more international talent on a defense where you had good domestic players within your system. I'm not talking about you know the difference in terms of um, you know international and wanting Americans to play. That's not the idea. The idea in Major League Soccer is that they limit the number of international players. And because of that, they're expensive from how much you have to pay guys to come to the United States. Um, And it's not even, you know, you could get a similarly rated player of people Gonzalez for, you know, half the price if it's an American versus if it's an international player. That's the difference in, in what the LA Galaxy are trying to do and trying to put together here. But you look at this and again, you know, saying that there's any one piece that's going to fix any of this, Kevin, is, is you know I agree with you. It's a it's a joke um, because it's not about one piece. It's about building a complete team. The LA Galaxy have failed over and over and over again since 2016 to do that. 
And, and you're right about very few teams have a lot of international talent or high paid talent, both on their back line that the back line positions generally go to Americans and they use, um, you know, the, the, the money and, and, and the resources to bring in, uh, foreign players, you know, in more impact roles, you know, in the, as an attacking midfielder uh, or as a forward. Um, but one thing that you, interesting talking about Bruce is when you think about Bruce's team and talking about this team, this team has some really good talent. You know, Chicharito, I think, is a good player. Right. Um, Sebastian Jett is a good player. Jonathan Dos Santos is a good player. They're all individually very good players. They don't seem to fit. And when you think about the Bruce Arena teams, they all seem to fit. Omar Gonzalez was a good player, but he fit with what they were trying to do. You know, a Sean Franklin or an A.J. De La Garza, going back to Sean Franklin days, A.J. De La Garza, those players, they all sort of fit. Right. Um, yeah, there was a guy like a Robbie Keener, Landonna Donovan that made it all work. And when they weren't there, it, it really hurt. But the teams, the pieces seem to fit together. And I look at this Galaxy team, and I even when they put their best 11 out there, I see 11 guys. I don't see a team of 11 guys. Yeah, and I think it's been that way for a while. And you talk about Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane even coming into the LA Galaxy was a piece that completed a team. Um, you know, you look at that, you look at the guys like Eddie Lewis that Bruce Arena would bring in. You look at guys like Greg Berhalter. That, uh, first of all, there's this myth that MLS defenses are supposed to be anything. Not with the way that the salary cap is 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 laid out and not in the way that the league allows you to spend money. That's just not how it is. Um, it, it was interesting because somebody was sort of saying, you know, hey, uh, if, you, if you go out, you know, why can't you just spend a million dollars on 25 players? And it's like, well, no, you can't you can't do that in Major League Soccer. In fact, they won't let you. So you can't have four defenders that make a million dollars because basically that's not how, how it works. Now you can have three players that make $25 million and you pay them $5 million each, Kevin, but you can't have a team that costs you $25 million and 25 guys making a million dollars. If you could, I believe that there would be some, some teams who would go that route and be very successful in Major League Soccer. So it's about taking your high price talent. It's about not overpaying for things that you have. Again, Sebastian Legend on a targeted allocation money contract based on what? Um, that's sort of a question mark that everybody has to answer. And you could say he doesn't fit in a spot, but I'll be honest, until it, it, you have to go back to what, 2015 um, or 2016, whenever he came into the league. No, it was 2015. Uh, 2015, whenever Bruce Serena finally brought him into the league where he fit into a system. And even in 2016, under Bruce, he had eight assists and one goal. That's still productive in what he's doing. And you have not seen that um, ever since. He had six assists in 2019, certainly looking at that, and three goals with Zlatan um, and his first year. But uh, so far, you know, you have zero goals, zero assists in five games from a guy who's technically be, being played at the central attacking midfielder role. Um, so there's there's problems here. Let's get into the rumors a little bit because let's try to see if there's a place where we can find the LA Galaxy focusing. Um, the only rumor that I'm really high on right now in terms of it, a probability of it actually happening is a center back rumor. Uh, and I'll say right now, I think it's ridiculous. The Galaxy are going to try to spend any more money on a defense where they've already wasted a ton of money. Uh, I think that they have a, a perfectly fine, and that doesn't mean very good, uh, but a perfectly fine MLS defense. Uh, what they need to do is protect that more in the midfield, and I think that they would have a better uh, central pairing with Dupuy, or excuse me, Depew. it's been so long, Depew and uh, Steres next to each other, I, I think is fine. People Gonzalez, for me, has played himself right off this starting lineup unless somebody 
somebody gets injured. So that sort of sits there. But uh, the center back they're currently interested in, at least according to reports, is uh, Jordy DeWeese. He's a 25-year-old uh, center back from Hull City. The big deal here, Kevin, is that Hull City got relegated from uh, the championship in English in the English soccer, which is the second tier of English soccer, to the third tier of English soccer, so down to League One. Um, the the uh, interesting part of this rumor right now, at least reports coming out today, are saying that Hull City are not willing to let him go. Um, it's one of those things. Sometimes players have a relegation cause um, it clause in their contract, which basically means, hey, if you get relegated, um, then uh, what we'll do is uh, your, your contract sort of goes out. You, you can basically become a free agent if you would get relegated. Um, it doesn't seem that that is the case right now with Jordi Luis, and it seems like Hull City want to hold on to him and try to keep him in uh, the League One. They paid about 400000 or almost $500,000 for him uh, about three years ago, four years ago. And so they're looking to make a significant profit on the 25-year-old. And so that was an interesting one. I have that one and, and at three where's, stars where's, right now. Where's he from? Uh, he is, he's Dutch. Which goes back to what you were talking about earlier. I mean, yes. you look at Guillermo, he wants only, apparently, every rumor we hear, it's an Argentine player. Yeah. A lot of times a Boca Junior player. I get it. He's comfortable with those guys. But... You can't bring everyone from Argentina up, and you can't you can't ignore talent from Nigeria if it fits your system. Right, and so you you kind of see that with, uh, you know, um, Dennis is from is from the Netherlands, and right. so now now he's looking at a Dutch player. I mean, there are uh, 213 soccer playing countries in the in the world. Maybe there's a good player somewhere else. Yeah, they, hey, there could be. Um, absolutely. So I'm sure that they will uh, They will be looking. I think it's interesting. It's one I have ranked at three stars out of five right now. Um, I still even think with Hull saying no, it's probably more of a negotiation tactic than anything else. I, I think somebody was telling me that they're actually uh, sort of implementing salary caps on the lower leagues in England. Um, and because of that, uh, there could be some serious um, you know, wiggle room in terms of what you're willing to get for players. Because if you go down a league, you're going to have to be limited to even a smaller amount of money. So they're going to have to shift some contracts plus uh, the TV revenue and all the things you get down a league is less than whenever you're up a league so there's all sorts of adjustments that have to be going and if you uh, saw what Sunderland till I die uh, as we've seen a, a bunch of times um, we've seen that particular case there where it, it hasn't worked all right, now we go on to a, a little bit different rumor. We talked about Gamera Bereshkoloto at age 47, the head coach of the LA Galaxy. Um, there were some rumors and certainly have been circulating for the last couple of days that he may have been asked to coach the Ecuadorian national team. Um, there was apparently a vote on whether or not they wanted to offer him the job. Uh, I don't know whether or not that vote eventually said yes. I don't know whether or not Guillermo turned them down. Uh, the reports are that Guillermo said no uh, to going to the Ecuadorian national team. Uh, the the whole sort of thing when you look at this is that if you're Guillermo Barrescoloto, you know, facing uh, five games without a win and facing some pressure, could you have escaped to Ecuador and looked a little better? Uh, how would that have made the LA Galaxy look? But ultimately, regardless of the outcome, Come of this, it was probably believable either way that Gamera Barrescoloto could, in fact, um, you know, depart the LA Galaxy, take his entire coaching staff with him, and go to the Ecuadorian national team. So uh, that seems to have fallen by the wayside, but it was a rumor that was out there, and I don't discount this popping back up again. Um, just something to sort of keep an eye on. But Ke Kevin, you want to des if if you got a press release that said Gamera Barrescoloto was going to coach the Ecuadorian national team, would you have been super surprised, fallen off your chair? 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. I would have been because it doesn't seem to be, to me, a huge step. Well, okay, it's a national team. I get it. And, it, it you know, plays in a very good federation, um, one that Guillermo is very uh, familiar with. But, you know, the galaxy, the, the prestige of the galaxy, um, you know, the money that's behind the galaxy um, certainly is better for him. And, and I I don't see, you know, you run into this problem with coaches. There are some coaches that are national team coaches, and there's some coaches that are, you know, team coaches. That yeah, has to coach, do with working yeah, with a guy individually every day, all that kind of stuff. Guillermo does not seem like a national team coach, a guy who sees a guy every three or four months uh, and develops a rapport and puts a team together that way. He seems more like a club coach. Um, and, yeah, when I heard those rumors, it struck me as a little bit strange. The only, uh, you know, the way I put any any kind of credibility to it at all was to say, maybe Guillermo realized this is not working and he really wants to get out of Dodge and this is a way to save face because you could make the argument that's a big step up. You could say he's going to a national team and that's different. Um, I was surprised when I heard it um, and, uh, you know, uh, I didn't really put a whole lot of stock into it. But I, I could see now with what you're saying that, you know, Guillermo could have used it as a way to say, uh, I got to get out of here, and this looks like a step up to me. I, I think it's cute. You said the prestige of the LA Galaxy, so uh, that's 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 one of those things well, that I, you're right, but you're also wrong at the same time. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you're right; they are. They're supposed to be the crown jewel of Major League Soccer. They're supposed to be, you know, the team with the most MLS cups. Again, all of those things are true, but the prestige of the LA Galaxy is that they're going to pay more for players to try to get them to come to where they're at because they're a bit of a dumpster fire uh, well, right now. But, but the other, th- but the other thing about that is. When you look around the world, um, I don't think a lot of people in Germany or England or Scotland or Ireland look at the MLS standings on a weekly or even maybe an annual basis. And so when you, t- it, that's why every time there's one of these big rumors like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, the first name that pops up in Europe, if, if MLS is mentioned, is he's going to the Galaxy. Yeah. It's always he's going to the Galaxy. No one says, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to FC Cincinnati. No, he's not. <laughs> he's going to the Galaxy if he comes to MLS. And that is the name. That's why there's the prestige there. People m- don't in, in Ireland do not know that the team has missed the playoffs, you know, three of the last four years. Right. They do know that Zalatan played here and Gerard played here and Robbie Keane played here and David Beckham played here and Landon Donovan played here. So, yeah, there. Uh, uh, that's just my way of saying, yeah, I think there I- still is that prestige. Steve, but I get your point. No, you're, you're right. I, I think we're both right and both wrong. There you go. I, I think that's that's the perfect way to sit it. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, the other rumors, let's go through some of the other ones. Uh, Augustin Almendra. Here you go. This one will be, this one automatically should be four stars just because it's a Boca Juniors player. So already there's a chance. Uh, a 20-year-old central attacking midfielder uh, at Boca Juniors. He's a highly prized youngster from their system, um, but doesn't have much of a track record whenever you go back and look at some of these things. Uh, the big update seems to be that he may have contracted coronavirus leading one of the rumor accounts to say well this has to hurt his chances coming to major league soccer and i was like nah not even for a second all it'll take is some negative tests um to sort of uh get through now apparently there were other teams that are also interested in this player so um you know you sort of have to take this one with a grain of salt at one point i think uh it looks like boca was asking 20 million dollars uh to sign augustin almendra and i think uh miami was one of those teams uh that was interested and nobody in major league soccer i believe is going to spend $20 million to buy a 20-year-old central attacking midfielder. 
Um, so that's why this one, I have it listed at one star, but it could move depending on if the LA Galaxy get active with it and we can start picking up some more little details here. The LA Galaxy could go to a loan on, um, on Almendra, and if that happens, um, I think the Galaxy are actually in a better position than any other Major League Soccer team to, to sign the 20-year-old. Then you could go into the next season, 2021, when supposedly the under-22 designated player rule would kick in as well. Um, so there's some chances to sort of do some stuff. I think for the rest of these rumors I'm going to talk about, there has to be some maneuvering because there's no uh, there's no designated player spots open, so the LA Galaxy have to figure a way around that and get creative. They did it with Christian Pavone. Doesn't mean they can't do it with uh, Augustin Almendra, and it's a chance for... I think Boca to shop him uh, around to other places, and especially if he's playing well, it's sort of the the same thing with Christian Pavone. Um, and Pavone's time looks like it's going to be done in December right now, unless the Galaxy uh, offered to, to buy out the contract, and it's not going to get bought out at twenty million dollars. In fact, I would guess it can't be bought out for more than four or five million dollars at this point. Um, so if you're looking at uh, at Christian Pavone, or if you're looking at Augustin Almendra, remember twenty years old, central attacking midfielder, Bo- Boca Juniors, uh, a, a one star rumor for us right now. But that one has. I think the highest ceiling in terms of going up uh, if if some things start to happen and sort of move around that. But it's a, it's an interesting thing to follow. Um, well, the thing about Almendras is it, you look at, is this, are we building this team for the future? Right. Uh, like, you know, everybody thought Antuna was a guy that was going to be around and help build for the future. And I think, uh, you know, that was a good thought. Obviously, it just proved to be too expensive. If Almendra comes, then that tells me that that, LAF, that the Galaxy are building for the future. They're looking to the future. They're trying to put pieces together, as we talked about. But there's another guy, you know, Iguain, who would be a great, I think, a good fit and would pair nicely with Chicharito up top. But he's clear, he would clearly come for half a season or, or, or one and a half seasons. He's a guy that... Um, you know, if if that rumor is even true, right? Uh, you know, I think he has a little bit more, you know, left in the tank, but he would clearly be coming here to retire, and and that would be the galaxy saying we got to fix this thing right now. We need we need to get to bail this thing out, um, and they would be overlooking the future in it, you know, in the hopes of getting some immediate success and just that to you know try to stop the bleeding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think you can look at the galaxy, whichever way they go. It, to me, determines how they feel about where they are right now. Yeah, and they could go none of these directions as well. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain also on a rumor track, a third-year-old forward playing at Juventus. Uh, apparently, his contract is not up, but he's looking for an exit, um, and he wants to do it you know, I, I guess in a respectful way to the team. And so uh, I think if he stays there, he gets paid like, you know, some ridiculous amount of money, but he's willing to sort of have a buyout, have a contract uh, termination and would be available then for a move. Iguain has been linked with the LA Galaxy before. Um, again, you'd need to free up a designated player spot in order to happen with this. Uh, it's just one of those that the chances of them trying to get him for, you know, an Ashley Cole or a Nigel DeYoung type of deal, which is come here um, for no money the first year. It's, a, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, come here for no money and we can tam you. Uh, and the next year we're going to pay you what it's worth. Um, those have to be separate contracts, according to Major League Soccer, because you can't do them together. Otherwise, you have to link the contracts together and average the total number um, out across the, the length of, of both the contracts. But um, it's an interesting sort of take on that one. So again, one star, 32 years old, uh, you know, not a horrible thing. You're then also looking at playing, you know, sort of a 4-4-2 then because you have Chicharito and you're going to have Iguain playing up top together. Um, so 
again, that's one of those. Uh, if you want to talk about real wacky and also at one star, this one I think more realistic than people always give it is Cristiano Ronaldo, 35 years old. Um, he's been linked to LA multiple times over many, many years. Uh, this is the rumor that probably got me podcasting whenever it was, uh, whenever I was starting in like 2009, which was, you know, even back then people were like, well, Cristiano Ronaldo's coming to the LA galaxy. Everybody knows this. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that has been building and sort of going on and on and on. Uh, so could Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Juventus out of the champions league, uh, do, you know, do they want to keep paying him? Do they want to pay Gonzalo Higuain? You know, Juventus seems like they're going to have to go through a sort of a rebuild here. So does Ronaldo say if he goes, can the LA galaxy land him? I don't care what you do um you know that's one of those that you throw the bank at uh which is an interesting you know sort of take on everything but you know if ronaldo's available you, you just you just drop everything that you're doing and, and yeah, you he, I mean, yeah he's older but he scored 31 goals <laughs> this year so you know he has to think that there's another big payday and if juventus doesn't want him back somewhere else in syria i'm sure he'd go back to real madrid i mean there are big paydays that still exist for him in europe yes um but, so but what I, about the what about the brand building? And this is sort of the you know the Zlatan thing. Zlatan could have made more money somewhere else playing for the LA Galaxy. But he was coming off an injury. I agree. So a little bit different. Um, I, I think Ronaldo's pretty much got his brand. You could make the same argument for Zlatan, but I think Ronaldo's in a different universe. I think Ronaldo's got the brand. I do think he comes to MLS. I just don't know that if he comes now, maybe it's after Cutter. Um, and I, I, I think a more logical spot for him right now would be Miami. Uh, Miami. Correct. I just think Miami is much more of a Ronaldo kind of town uh, than L.A. is. I mean, I know Hollywood's here and all that, but I just think I see Ronaldo more as kind of the nightclub kind of guy and not, uh, the you know, Hollywood doing the talk shows and all that stuff. And I think that he does have a you know relationship with David Beckham. I, I see Ronaldo more going to Miami. I do see him coming to MLS. Um you know, another guy that's going to pop up here in the not too distant future is is uh, Anton Griezmann, and I do think the Galaxy will probably be, on, be in on him as well as uh, right. LAFC. I think he is more of an LA, uh, of an LA guy. You know what? It, we talked about this before. It's not so much the league or or even the team. It's a lot of times the community. And if you look at, I think there is some sense to this that uh, Miami feels like more of a better fit for Ronaldo. We're not talking about the teams. We're talking about these are franchises in, in MLS where he can play. I think LA uh, fits better for Griezmann. He's a huge NBA fan. You've got two of the best teams in the league here. So I see Griezmann, you know, might be a guy that might come to LA in three or four years. And I think when Ronaldo comes, I think he goes to Miami. It's 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 all fun. Uh, the only other rumor that's on our list right now is Javier Pastore, which we've already covered in a previous episode. A 31-year-old uh, central attacking midfielder from AS Roma. Uh, again, with no DP spots and his contract runs through 2023, he's probably too expensive for the LA Galaxy to add uh, one star on that. So our highest rated rumor, and, three stars for a center back, by the way. And, and, and again, uh, with Pastore, look at, here's a 31-year-old guy. Are the Galaxy panicking and trying to you know, save something now. 31 is not old though. Can that's, that's, but that's not outside. You, that's not 35. That's not 36, 37. That, if you get Javier Pastore, who, you know, you could argue about whether or not he's good for the LA galaxy or not in terms of what they're missing. It's a number 10. Um, is he robust enough? Is he strong enough? Can he do all these things? Does he have the energy to play at the high levels? You can argue that, but 31 is not 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38 or 39. Um, so for me, you're getting anybody inside of 32 years old is still, you know, a relatively, you could have them for two or three years on the team. Two or three years is a long time. 
yeah, in Major you League take Soccer. The 20 year old or the, do you take the 20 year old or the 31 year old? I mean, the, so the 20 year old for me has, it, first of all, if you could get it on loan is a great idea, but there's no proven track record and away from home and trying to, I mean, that's a gamble. Right. It's it might be a cheaper gamble because it's a loan. But, you know, if you're going to say, you know, between Pastore and Augustin Almendra, there's going to be lots of people who are going to tell you take the youth at 20. But the Galaxy need a known quantity. And Pastore is, a, is more of a known quality than Almendra is. So, well, here, here's another thing to think about going forward. Um, you know, MLS is changing the way it does things financially yes. uh, is now becoming a league that, you know, as we learned with Atlanta United and Almiron, it's a league now and, and Vancouver with, uh, you know, Alfonso Davies. It's a league that can now send uh, on transfer people to Europe and, and get a lot of money out of it. So, again, if you pick up a 31 year old, he's going to finish his career with you. And, and that's going to be the end of it. If you pick up the 20 year old, maybe he plays two or three or four good seasons with you. And all of a sudden you sell him for a high transfer fee and use that money, uh, you know, and bring in a couple more players. So I'm sure it's something that Dennis has thought about, and that will be something I think will enter the equation, which it didn't enter the equation a couple years ago. I think MLS is changing in that way. No, I I think you're right. Uh, The LA Galaxy will kick off on Saturday, August 22nd. Again, just 12 days from this podcast uh, against LAFC to restart their their next six games of this uh, MLS regular season of 18 games. So uh, expect that. We'll have times and updates whenever those sort of come out come out and we'll uh, we'll be able to announce all those things and let you know uh, what it is but a tough road for the LA Galaxy in the next six games um, and uh, I guess you're going to sort of see what this team is made of whether or not Jonathan Dos Santos can come back for and be ready for the rematch with LAFC whether Chicharito's there how Christian Pavone does and what sort of lineup and what things can can Guillermo Barrescaloto do with three designated players I think that's an important thing to sort of watch in these next six games so a lot of stuff uh, coming up for the LA Galaxy a very busy time on the pod and everything else so uh, please stay tuned and sort of watch again I, I don't think there's going to be a show on Thursday we thought about doing on one on Wednesday I have to drive to Colorado to take my son back um, so back to Colorado so that's like 23 hours of driving in 48 hours is so that's a lot of fun you um, planes. yeah I yeah you know a nine-year-old already touches everything I was sort of like just stay in the car for the part and you know I'll, I'll wrap you in plastic whenever we have to use the public restroom so um, I was that's that to me was me mitigating risk uh, and spending some time with my son, who I haven't gotten to see in a really long time because of the pandemic. So uh, it was it was good, but I have to d- take him back and do all that. But after that, we're sort of going to get settled back into a normal schedule, uh, and then we'll be getting you ready for all these games coming up. Yes. You know what? I got the, the keys here, and I got the corporate jet all gassed up. If you want to take that, I could uh, drop it by. Yep, yep. Ab- yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that happens. Uh, all right, Kevin, uh, anything else? Are you good? I th- oh, no, I'm never good, but I think I'm done. You are done for today, absolutely. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to the LA Times. Lots of soccer stuff coming. You heard Kevin talk about it. He's got a lot of soccer stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks, so uh, make sure you uh, check all that with six games coming up for both of the Southern California teams. He's going to be a very busy guy. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, and then head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our articles and all of our previews recaps all that fun stuff podcasts are there as well so uh for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman and you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxy podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to itunes stitcher and facebook by searching for corner of the galaxy Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. 
We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>